when an event happens, we have a gap between the event and our reaction, right? But a lot of us don't realize that there is that gap because that gap is so small. So by doing these practices, we can allow that gap to expand. And what it, go, what it comes down to is that that realization that we are not our thoughts. We are the observer of our thoughts. Welcome everyone to Life is Lisa podcast. Our mission at Life is Lisa is to share people's stories and the challenges that they have overcome so that those who are listening in can get the strength, the courage and the hope to be their better selves. Today, we have a very beautiful and spiritual guest. She is a sound healer, a meditation teacher, a Reiki practitioner. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And I, wa I was wondering, let's start with how did you find SoundBoth? How did it find you on your journey? I love this question because it really was such a serendipitous thing. So about five, four and a half, five years ago, I was really deep into yoga. I still am. Yoga was kind of like the gateway for me as it is for a lot of people. And I had a yoga mentor at the time who is uh, still a dear friend mentor of mine. But at the time, she approached me one day and she basically, long story short, told me that she was taking a sound healer training course over the summer and she felt really called to invite me to do it with her to join her on the journey and I thought well that's you know really thoughtful that you would think of me um I'll sleep on it you know it's definitely a training investment so there was that component and then I also at the time was really wanting to do my yoga teacher training so I was kind of had my mind set on that but regardless you know I I slept on it. And then the next morning I woke up and I just felt this strong pull that it was just such a yes, I needed to do it. So I said, yes. And, you know, I made the investment, I signed up. And then day one of that training, I just remember feeling this spark that was ignited within me. And it's only continued to turn into a fire that's continued to burn and guide me. So it really came into my life in, in such a such a beautiful way. You know, the messenger that delivered the message for me to take the training was somebody that was really special, near and dear to my heart, my growth and transformation. And then since that training, it's just been this domino effect of, of opportunities and meeting people and just the universe guiding me to continue expanding upon this work and haven't really looked back since. Oh my God, this is so amazing. You know, when you were saying that universe delivered this first year and that's exactly what I was thinking because actually universe is guiding us all the time but sometimes we are just too busy to see the signs yeah. or you know we're wishing for one thing and we don't recognize that the universe is offering us something even better but I love that you felt this pull towards it and you said yes and you went for it and then you went further exploring it and I was wondering because many of people listening have never heard of sound bath. Me, myself, I have been doing meditations for a long time, but I have never heard really about sound bath. So yeah. it's really intrigued me. So what is it? Yeah, sound baths are essentially just a form of meditation. Like you said, you've been doing meditation for a long time. 
Sound baths are a form of meditation in which you just lay down. There's no water involved. You'd be surprised how many people ask me if you actually get into a bath, but no, you're just bathed by the sounds, by the vibrations. And the practitioner will play different instruments from singing bowls. Um, I have one right here. I can show you actually. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. So practitioners will play. This is um, a rose quartz palladium singing bowl. And they'll play them. I would play it for you, but I don't have the right microphone, so it wouldn't come through properly. So the practitioner will play these instruments that will create very specifically curated vibrations that can actually begin to influence the brainwaves. So it can get really, really scientific, but also from an energetic perspective, you know, we now understand that everything is vibration, right? Sound is vibration. We are vibration. Our thoughts are vibration. And all that sound is, it's just a vibration that is within the audible range of human hearing. So when we use these vibrations, we can begin to create harmony in our energetic bodies, which ultimately creates harmony in our physical bodies. Um, I can go so deep into them, but I know that, you know, for the sake of time and not confusing people, I think that's a pretty, a pretty good summary of it. But I, I love it. I, I love it. I want to hear more about the scientific uh base of it. It just fascinates me. Please share more. Let's dive deeper. Sure. So I always love to call out this experiment that scientists did where they ran sound frequencies through a water molecule under a microscope. And they found that sound has the ability to raise the vibration of water. So if we think of our physical bodies as being nearly 70% water, it affects us the same exact way. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, scientists are actually testing. I just saw an article a couple days ago that they're testing using sound to restructure bones. So like fractures create, um, yeah, like to heal. Uh, if we think of the way that sound is used today in Western medicine, ultrasound, when you are pregnant and you go to look at your baby, they run ultrasound. And that's using sound so that you can get an image of, of the baby. So sound yeah. is being used in so many medicinal ways. And we're just starting to discover all of the other ways that it can be used. But, you know, it, it's pretty wild to me. Um, not a lot of people know this, but when we are ourselves, when we're fetuses, when we're in the womb, the very first sensory organ that is developed is the inner ear. So our very first experience as a being, as a human, as a fetus, is sound. Like, oh, wow. sound travels through water seven times faster than it does through air. So you can just imagine our first sensory experience ever is sound. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think it definitely does, does explain why this sound bath experience touched me so deeply, especially once you close your eyes and it just really just touches something so deep in your soul. Mm -hmm. And I think comparing to the meditation, I really, really loved what you also mentioned. Uh, I think it was before we started rolling that meditate, it requires no preparation. You can just turn on this beautiful sound and just sit down and embrace it. And many people that I speak to, they're quite not adverse to meditation, but they say, I don't know how to do it. It seems boring. I don't know how, if there is the right way. I don't know if I'm doing it um, 
correctly, but I would definitely then recommend to try the sound bath because it's just such an immersive experience that it requires no preparation. Yeah, you know, I, I love that you touched on that. That was actually my first experience with a sound bath. I remember I had been, you know, I've been on, on this path of, you know, living a very yogic lifestyle, of meditating, of uh, breath work for about mm, probably going on almost 10 years. But I remember I would always have so much trouble meditating, sitting down in stillness and quietness and meditating. And I remember my very first sound bath was actually with the same woman that I ended up doing the training with. There was that crazy correlation that felt so, so kismet, so meant to be. But this was way before I took her training. I went and did a sound bath with her. And I just remember dropping into a space where I wasn't sure if I was awake or asleep. I had no concept of time. I had no concept of the physical space. And I, I went into what is known as the void, the gap, where stillness happens in an ultimate present moment. And I just remember feeling, I've never felt this way before. And this is what meditation is supposed to feel like, right? And I just remember being so enamored by the fact that I was able to get into such a deep state. And it is because the vibrations can influence our brainwaves to slow down. So we're almost using sound as like a biohack to slow down the brainwaves and drop into a deep state. Wow. Mm -hmm. And was it your first, you mentioned it was your first time that you tried it, that you got into such a deep state? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And is there, is there a right way to do the sound bath? You know, there really isn't. I mean, there is definitely um, a, an ideal way to do it, but there is no right or wrong way. So I always say, if laying down is accessible to you, I recommend laying down. For some, it's not, right? So you can sit up, you can be reclined. Um, if you are able to have darkness, right, to dim the lights or to have an eye pillow, that's ideal. But if you don't, you're still receiving the benefits, right? Um, mm. I've, I've even, I've even had, so I, I certify people. I also have a certification program to teach people how to hold sound baths and, and learn about everything that has to do with sound healing. And one of my students from this past cohort that I did, she was deaf in one ear. And I remember her asking me, you know, is this, do I still get the benefits if, you know, I can't quite hear and the answer is yes, because we not only perceive sound audibly, we also perceive sound through skin conduction, through bone conduction. You know, sound is always, we're, we're like massive tuning forks, right? And sound is always hitting us, vibrations always being absorbed by the physical body, by the energetic body, by the emotional body, whether or not we can hear it. But long, mm. long, long answer but short answer is no, there is no right or wrong way. There's definitely ways that I recommend to enhance your experience. But if those things are not accessible to you, you know, that's all, that's all right. You know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that our whole body perceives the sound. And I remember I was reading about the studies that have been done about people living in busy cities, for example, New York, you know, where there's constant honking or other um traffic sounds and it's very very loud 
how actually how stressful it is for our bodies to be in such a state and how tiring it can feel just to have this constant background noise so now as you were mentioning that our whole body can perceive the sound it makes so much more sense and how beautiful sound can change our state and enhance um our quality of life and i was wondering what kind of what kind of spiritual and physical benefits did you personally experience with uh, embarking on you're doing sound baths, you're doing meditation, you're doing Reiki experience, you're doing so many things. So what would you say were the benefits of each of them? Yeah. So from a physical perspective, I would say the biggest impact that it's had on my physical body has been resetting my nervous system. So Mm. like you just mentioned, being exposed to so much stimulus, being exposed to stress, you know, the stimulus doesn't have to be necessarily bad in order for it to cause our nervous system to kick in, our our sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. So um, yeah, just the ability to reset my nervous system, which in itself helped me reduce inflammation. I actually Mm -hmm. used to have pretty severe cystic acne and like, you know, I just got out of the shower, I'm not wearing any makeup and my skin visibly, you can see that the reduction of inflammation really has impacted my internal physical body. So now it reflects on my external, my skin. Um, you know, I, I, I sleep so much better because my nervous system is able to reset with my morning and evening practices. I'm, I'm really able to start my day in a way that's supportive. So in the morning, I, I love to do my yoga sequence. It's more passive. It's more stretching to get, you know, my, my blood going, my muscles stretched. And then in the evening, I also have a wind down routine that helps me prep for sleep because sleep is quite possibly the most healing thing that we can do for our bodies. Like take out all of the biohacks, all of the things (laughs) it's sleep. Sleep truly is the most healing thing. Our bodies heal while we sleep. So if you can help yourself get into a place where you can be more ready for sleep by resetting your nervous system, um, it, it really has so many benefits. So physically reducing stress, improving sleep, reducing anxiety from a spiritual perspective, I, you know, it's, it, it's so beautiful to me how my spiritual evolution has really gone hand in hand with my personal transformation in my passions, my work, my offerings. <laughs> I'm also recovering from a cold. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, I hope you get better. The sound, the sound will help. You'll get better very fast. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but from a spiritual perspective, I would say that I have just felt so much more connected to a sense mm-hmm. of source, higher power, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, my higher self. Um, manifestation has been... I mean, I look back at just the things that I remember I used to put on my manifestation journal and then reflecting today, so many of those things have come into fruition and granted, yes, there's been, you know, the, the taking of action and, you know, putting myself out there, but it's also very much being in alignment and trusting Mm -hmm. that, you know, some things feel like a yes internally and you follow that and some things feel like a no even though on paper they might look great even though it might be a high paying job that you know has benefits but when I check in with myself it's like no this isn't in alignment for me 
So I say no to that. And by that, I open up space for other things to come in, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they really go hand in hand, I would say, this work and, and expanding upon spirituality. But for me, the biggest thing is just feeling so deeply connected with, with the frequency of love, with the frequency mm-hmm. of compassion, with the frequency of forgiveness, and really finding peace and contentment within, within my everyday Um, you know, sometimes I forget, right? Sometimes I catch myself comparing or, um, wanting to say a bad word at the person that cut me off on the highway. Right. But I've also been able to develop, um, I I like to think of it as like when an event happens, we have a gap between the event and our reaction. Right. But a lot of us don't realize that there is that gap because that gap is so small. So by doing these practices, we can allow that gap to expand. And what it goes, what it comes down to is that that realization that we are not our thoughts. We are the observer of our thoughts, right? So when an action, when, a, when an event happens, I have a thought, I want to have a reaction, but I have the space to, to be a witness and ask myself, is this reaction supportive? Is it going to benefit myself and the collective or is it not? And if it's not, I take a deep breath, right? I let myself have a moment and then, and then I flip the switch and and then I come back to that. Um, yeah. (laughs) So beautiful. That's so beautiful. I just didn't want to interrupt you because you were mentioning just such beautiful ideas that I wanted to get the whole piece together. And I wanted to really zoom in on one part because I think it's, very, very important. And I find it very impressive that you mentioned that you check in with yourself and you know whether something is a yes or whether something is a no. Yeah. And even if on paper it looks good, if it's a no with you, you will not do that. So I think it's something that could be very confusing to many people these days and to me as well. So how do you actually check in with yourself? You know intuition we all have it and it's like a muscle that has to be practiced so first of all i i I flat out just ask myself i ask myself Mm -hmm. natalie does this feel like a yes or does it feel like a no right if if i find Mm -hmm. that i'm having a hard time discerning i will actually take pen and paper and write out all the reason it feels like a yes all the reason it feels like a no you know, and just having that moment of reflection and with practice and over time, it becomes like a second, sec, like a natural reaction of being able to check in with yourself and ask yourself. Now, granted, some decisions are much bigger than others, right? Some decisions are going to take sleeping on it, writing out that list of pros and cons, um, maybe journaling about it. But the more that we practice just asking ourselves, does this feel like a yes or does it feel like a no? And start to learn the way that your body gives you the answer. For some people, it's a very gut reaction. Some people just feel it. Some people will go to bed and they'll have dreams about it that night. You know, it's for me, it's a gut feeling. I know in my gut when something feels like a yes or a no. One of my best friends is a dreamer and she'll go to bed that night and she'll have a dream that somehow has to do with whatever she's trying to get an answer on. (laughs) So it's, we all have different our bodies all speak to us in different ways, but they all do speak to us. We just have to learn how to listen. We have to learn 
what those cues are. And in the beginning, if it helps, just sitting, meditating on it, asking yourself the question over and over, and then taking pen to paper and writing down what comes up, beautiful. And the more that you do that, the more that you practice that, the, the, the quicker you'll be able to get that answer from yourself. Um, because, you know, dropping into our hearts, the hearts always know. The heart is a direct portal to our higher selves. So we just drop in and ask the question, the answer will come. We just have to learn how to listen for it. Yeah, I believe everything that you just said, and I believe it so, so much. I, you know, I also think that as, as a child or just growing up, you listen to yourself so much more, you know, intuitively for some reason, when something feels right or wrong, you have such a stronger sense because I feel like the noise from the outer world still did not get to you. And then yeah. if you stop listening to yourself at one point or you have ignored your heart for some period of time, it can get harder and harder to actually hear it. And to yeah. because now you hear so much noise around and it's so hard to get through it. And I feel like every time you do something that actually you're, you're saying, no, no, I don't want to do it. And you still do it. You kind of pulling away from your higher self into yeah. and like closing up. So I think it's so beautiful to start actually doing more things that you're 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 drive driven to, even if you're scared, and to actually not do the things that you your whole body is like, no, I don't want to do that. And yeah, yeah just so so powerful. It's also a big testament to trust because the more that we trust, the more that the universe provides, the more that we, we tune into that frequency of complete surrender, complete trust, the more that comes into our field, right? Um, I also wanted to touch on the point that you mentioned um, when we're children, we have so such access to our intuition. It's, it's how we live. It's how we move forward. And it's, it's, you know, it's definitely, um, we all experience this, but as we get older, we begin to listen to what society tells us we should do and what, you know, the right thing to do, the right path to take. And it's hard to not listen to that. You know, we're trying to figure out our place in the world and, and we look at the elders and we say, okay, well, they must know a thing or two. They're older, they're wiser. And yes, there is certainly validity to, honoring and listening to our elders and also you incarnated at this point with the specific gifts that you did for a reason you know and if and if you don't show up in the world sharing those gifts whether you are super talented in in coding or you're an incredible painter or musician or a healer or you have a voice that you want to share on a podcast you know these are the gifts that you were were brought here to share for a reason that is your gift that is I like to call it your medicine and if you don't step into that you're actually doing a disservice to the collective not only to yourself but you're also doing a disservice to the collective you're robbing them from from the gift that you were meant to share absolutely I, I feel like we have a moral obligation because we're here for a reason each and every one of us and we he, we have this moral obligation to actually show up, grow, learn, and give our gifts to the world. And I always think, imagine if J.K. Rowling 
gave up and you know did not go to another book publisher to and we would ne- not have this world of magic of Harry Potter because she gave up and I wonder how many other people gave up on their gifts mm-hmm. totally yeah oh my god and you know when you were saying when you trust the universe gives you more and provides more of it it was I, I was just thinking about this story that uh, after I finished my university, I was I went back to Ukraine, but uh, I really, really felt like this urge that I needed to go somewhere else and that I was not meant to be there. And literally just my body, even like being there, it felt like I'm doing the wrong thing. So then one day I just I decided to buy a one-way ticket to Paris and I thought, okay, I'll figure it out. I, I did not have accommodation. I did not know anything what exactly I will do or how to find a job or anything. And then I just texted all my friends. And then one hour before leaving to Paris, I actually had the room that I could rent out and everything was sorted. And it was all coming together in the most beautiful way. And I thought, you know, you take the sleep of faith and the inner soul is like, oh my God, she is doing it. It's so crazy. Let's help her. <laughs> And it gives you all these opportunities. Absolutely. You know, and it's also just that was meant to be your path. So you were meant to be supported in that decision. And those are yeah. those are the synchronicities that are confirmation for us. Like when we're in where we're on our path and we have these moments of synchronicity, synchronicity is the language of the universe, in my opinion. So when you have these synchronicities, those are, those are confirmations. Like, yes, you're meant to be here. Yes. Keep going. No, you're not supposed to have it all figured out. You know, you just keep moving forward with trust and in alignment and integrity. And in my belief, in my experience, everything falls into place. Yeah. How did you, how did you start? How did you embark on this journey? You mentioned that you've been doing yoga now for um, meditation and other practices for over 10 years. How did you start? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I was always raised religious. So I always, and I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself religious at this point, although I do love pulling from a lot of schools of thoughts, a lot of traditions. Um, but I was, I was raised Christian. So I was raised with a lot of, um, you know, I like to think of all of these, these um these beautiful humans that walk this earth that brought so many messages that then people turn into a religion you know these are all ascended masters they're no longer here but they were here to bring a message to the collective um to share their medicine right so i was raised in a lot of uh christ consciousness a lot of christ codes and that definitely helped shape a lot of just my view and then I, I started to drift away from, from the religion um, just for personal reasons and exploring other things. And um, when I was in college, I actually needed an additional credit to graduate. So I decided to take an exercise elective. And within that exercise elective was a yoga class. And I just remember a lot of people will tell you, maybe you'll never forget your first yoga class. And like, that was it for me. I remember my first experience of laying in Shavasana and just feeling so much compassion for myself and my body. 
And at the time, I was actually struggling pretty deeply with Mm -hmm. um, substance abuse and eating disorders and body dysmorphia. And through yoga, I was able to really find a a deep sense of compassion for myself Mm -hmm. and for my physical body. And that really was the beginning mark of my healing journey to where I am today. And the more that I explored yoga, the more that I explored meditation, the more that I explored manifestation, the more that I found, you know, there's so much out there. Um, And that really was the genesis of it all. When you said, and just it so happened that I needed an extra credit. And then it just so happened that there was this yoga class. And then just so happens that I embarked on this journey. And yeah, I just really think that so many things make sense when we look back at them. Like, oh, I, I can see why this was happening. <laughs> it's, I, love well, I always tell people life can only be understood backwards. You're not meant to understand it forwards. Life can all, only be understood backwards. So just trust, you know, that one day you're going to look back and be like, that's why I had to go through that hardship. That's why I had to go through that lesson. That's why I moved to Paris. You know, it's all, all of these things line up. We just can't make sense of them right now. But looking backwards, everything led you to where you are today. Yeah. And I think this is also another core belief that you just got to have that life is happening for you and not yeah. to you. And then mm-hmm. you have such a different experience. Because even if you're going through a certain challenge, but you really, truly believe that it's for you, you will grow so much more. You'll help so much more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, went, I was wondering, what, what, what is your mission at this point? What's, what's driving mm-hmm. you? You know, for me, I, I believe and, and a lot of people believe that we are in this era of mass awakening. So many people are waking up and they're really dropping into their hearts and and realizing that we truly are all connected. And um, through this mass awakening, I my mission really is to, to help uh, be there for people through their awakening journey because it can be uh, lonely. There can definitely mm-hmm. be a lot of, you know, some things must die in order for new things to be born in terms of beliefs, in terms of paradigms, in terms of situations, mm-hmm. relationships. So it's like a lot of people think that the awakening process is so expansive and beautiful. And yes, it absolutely is. And also there is the shadow work involved with it. There is the facing of what's no longer working? What do I have to let go of that I'm clinging on so hard to? It's hard to Mm. let go for some. Mm. So what's really driving me is this sole mission to support people on their journeys to awakening because the more people that wake up, the more people that can drop into their hearts, can, can see through the veil of separateness and realize that unity consciousness is all that there is, the more that we can progress, the more that we can heal the collective, the earth, the planet, continue to raise the vibration. And mm. for me, it's it's truly an honor to, to do this work. And when I work with people and they share with me that they have these transcendental experiences and and really deeply healing experiences, you know, it's it's really humbling because I know that it's not me. I'm simply just an instrument through 
this divine energy to work through. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what do you think stands in the way of the people of the people and their higher self or their better self? What stops them from yeah. getting connected to their higher self? I would say for a lot of us, it is our um, identity with ego. So mm. ego just is, right? The ego is not good nor bad. It just is. It is a component of being a human. It's a component of having a human brain. It's a component of the human experience. Now, where it becomes tricky is when we begin to identify with our ego because the ego believes in separateness. The ego believes that me, I am special. There is only me and, and me, right? That's, that's the ego. And, and the ego does serve a purpose. Absolutely. But when we begin to identify with the ego, we can't identify with our higher selves at the same time because they conflict, right? The ego is separate. Our higher selves is unity. It's, it's mm. collective. So I, I would say that there will never, as long as you're alive in this human body, the ego will always exist. So mm. learn to befriend your ego, learn to honor your ego and learn to not identify as your ego. Mm. And it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. And it's, it's daily practice. Um, and like I said, I, I certainly forget. I am not perfect. Trust me. I'll have times where my ego runs rampant and it's so insidious that a week will go by where I'm doing things, being driven by my ego. And I'll have a moment where I'm like, whoa, what is happening? Like, no wonder I feel so out of alignment. No wonder I feel so stressed, so anxious, so worried. Mm. Right. <clears throat> And then it's the practice of coming back. Like I said, the heart <laughs> of coming back into the heart, connecting with your higher self. Yeah. And how do you pre how do you befriend the ego? What is the daily practice that somebody can do? What do you do when you recognize that you started falling for ego? Yeah, you know, for me it just comes back to meditation. Um, I do a lot of meditation, I do a lot of chanting, I do a lot of prayer, journaling. Um I, again, I say we have to honor the ego because the ego will forever be present so long as we are embodied in this human body. So it's, it's you know, maybe having a conversation with the ego and saying, hey, I love you. I see you. I know you're here to serve a purpose, but I am not you. You are mm -hmm. a facet of this concept of Natalie, right? And then check in with your higher self and ask for guidance. I always ask, you know, my favorite prayer is, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Um, mm -hmm. I learned that from Marianne Williamson. <clears throat> She's one of my teachers. I've read a lot of her books, attended her web her seminars, highly recommend looking into her. She's an amazing teacher, um, teaches a lot about the cor A Course in Miracles, if you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, you know, it's daily practice, prayer, meditation, journaling. It doesn't have to be this crazy ritual. It can just be as simple as checking in with yourself and asking your higher self for guidance or journaling or just meditating and dropping into your heart. Yeah. And before I ask my last question, 
where can people connect with you? Where can people find you? Yeah, so I am on social media, Instagram at loveandalchemy underscore. Love and Alchemy is is my brand. I, I offer a lot of different things under that. Um, you can just also find my website, loveandalchemy.com. Beautiful. How did you come up? This is not my last question, but how did you come <laughs> up uh, with, <laughs> with the Love and Alchemy? I, I really didn't. The name just came to me one day and, and I said, okay, this is it. And it's it, it literally just popped into my head one day and I thought, okay, that's that's the name of, of my offering. <laughs> and it's, now it's magical. Oh, thank you. Well, now reflecting back, it, it just, it feels so aligned. It makes so much sense. You know, for me, I'm so big on the frequency of love and dropping into your heart. That's honestly, that's, that's all I, I hope to inspire and instill within people through my classes, through my sessions, through my offerings. Um, and then alchemy, it's, it's alchemy of the self. Alchemy is magical transformation. Um, and that's also what I hope to inspire within people to find that magical transformation within themselves. Beautiful. And my last question would be, if you could go back in time and say something to your younger self, what would you say? Oh, God, this is such a beautiful question. I often, often will have conversations with my younger self because like I mentioned to you, I, I did go through a lot in my teenage years, my early 20s. Um, and at this stage of my life, I would say, I would tell her that she is perfect and whole exactly as she is. There is nothing that she needs to change about herself. There is no one that she needs to impress. She is perfect and whole exactly as she is. This is so beautiful. Natalie, thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show, for sharing your wisdom, your lessons. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I'm so glad our paths have crossed. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. You too.